Welcome to Screen Actors Guild, where we explore Oscar-winning actors and the embarrassing films they'd rather forget. I am your host, Michelle, the taxi cab cab driver that does not drive his own cab. And I'm Henry, the four inches of springy hair. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Al Pacino's... Not a tall guy, but I would say his hair in this particular film amounts to about a third of his total height. Yeah, his whole, full stature? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so this is our Pacino episode. Uh, Hoo-ah. Hoo-ah. Al, the great Pachi Pacino. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he has only won one Oscar. Just Son right? of a Woman, right? He's just for, like, kind of bad movie Son of a Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think was also like Philip, one of Philip Seymour Hoffman's first movies. Oh, man. I haven't seen Son of a Woman since, like, I, I don't even know. like 20 It's years. not great. I don't it's remember it great. being great. I was pretty young when I saw it. And hot take. I do not think that Al Pacino is a good actor. I don't, Just in general. I don't think that he might be a good no, actor. No. Okay. No. All right. Al Pacino now... Yeah. He's not a great actor. Yeah. Al Pacino, like, Al Pacino in the 70s is fucking unbelievable. Yeah, I guess, like, like Serpico, like, old school. Ah, whatever. Like, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, yeah. Dog Day Afternoon, you can just put it to bed. Like, he's fucking amazing in those movies. Is he, he just right not... place, right time, though? Like, he's in, he's in a Scorsese movie, so he's automatically not a bad actor because he's being subdued or just screaming? I don't know. So, I will say a couple things about him. One, he is an incredibly watchable actor, whether or not he's good in what he's doing. Hard agree. Totally agree with you. (laughs) He is. He's like Nicolas Cage level watchable. Yes, love him. He he also, now think about it, he is sort of better compared to Nicolas Cage than most other prestige actors. Like, he's in a lot of dog shit. He's yes. always fun to watch. Sometimes he's fucking great. Oftentimes he is out of this world terrible. I mean, like, it's one of those things. Like with Nicolas Cage, he can be a good actor when he's, like, put in the right careful hands of a director that's mm-hmm. like, let's take mm-hmm. what you're doing and we're just going to take it on down from a 10 to a 2 and, like, just see what happens <laughs> there. And, like... You know, like I just saw Pig. Nicolas Cage is excellent in Pig. He is. He's not yelling. He's just brooding. He's doing good Mm -hmm. acting. And like Al Pacino, when he's not yelling or or just doing great. I mean, it's just it's just so hard to picture him ever being a good actor again, which is probably not in the cards. It's just funny because I'd never thought about Al Pacino and Nicolas Cage as like very similar actors Mm -hmm. but yeah they actually they're way over the top playing for the back row most of the time in movies that are not built for it in movies that are built for it they're the only actor anybody's ever heard of not real choosy not real choosy choosy. they do 15 movies a year (laughs) yeah uh they're both working like they have a year to live and bills to pay like uh-huh. It's, it's fun to watch. Like, don't get me wrong. I hope it keeps going on like this forever because watching Al Pacino, like, haven't we seen him in like two or three movies already just since we started the podcast? Like, he's been in other things. That, this is the third or fourth. Yeah. Because like, he was in Geely. He was in Geely. Sure. He was in uh, Misconduct. Right. 
Oh, yes, with, he with was. With his, like, foghorn leghorn accent. Yeah. Uh, and then he's been in this. Is that it? I feel like it there's one It might be it. Yeah, I forget. Um, anyway, I mean, a bunch. Gu- guaranteed he's going to pop up again. Like, he's like yes. our, our buddy. He's the other co-host of this podcast. We've got Nicolas uh-huh. Cage uh, driving the car. And yep. Al Pacino, <laughs> Al Pacino screaming and somehow in the sidecar <laughs> connected to a car. You know car. how some cars have a sidecar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, just on the on the driver's side though, just heading into opposing <laughs> traffic. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have some things to tell you about Al Pacino. I'm I ready to learn. Uh, so this is the first uh, male trivia trademark especially that has struck me also as very horny <laughs> for al pacino i'm just gonna i'm just gonna just read, dive right in i'm gonna read the words as written first trademark this is gonna be in order yeah first trademark volcanic tirade smoke burnished voice wait i need you to go back again and slower volcanic tirade comma Smoke burnished voice. It's like we're describing a wine. <laughs> yeah, it is. Frequently plays men of power and slash or authority. Uh, S- the three. person who's writing this is like visibly sweating. Sweating <laughs> and like be- their hand is beginning to yeah. creep down their stomach. Yeah. Uh, surly. But essentially moral characters with deep capacity for violence. Ooh. Four. Yes. Jet black hair and dark <laughs> owl eyes. And wait, what's the second part? Dark owl eyes. Owl eyes. This is a I, dating profile. It's it's a dating profile, but it's also like like brooding word replacement poetry. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. volcanic owl eyes. <laughs> like, <laughs> interesting choices of words. Number five. Yeah. Fifth and final trademark. Diminutive frame, comma, offset by his formidable bearing. <laughs> they had to find a way to couch that he's like, tiny, he's little, but little still guy. very sexy. Let me tell you. Yeah. Little, little, but powerful. So much power. So much power. Who is it hot in here? Is it just me? <laughs> That's amazing. A volcanic. I mean, owl it's the eyes. Smoke burnished are... voice that gets to me. Burnished like, voice. You like waft his voice around in a snifter. Yeah, in a snifter <laughs> glass. You let it breathe. <laughs> Uh, so, some trivia. Yeah. The male trivia is never as interesting as the female trivia. That's just sort of the way it goes on IMDb. Just Uh, a little less interest in general. But there are some, I think there's some things that are, some genuinely interesting, some, these are very silly. Mm -hmm. Uh, first one, I'll let you decide which one of those this is. Pacino was so much into character, playing plain clothes New York City policemen, while filming Serpico, he actually pulled over and threatened to arrest a truck driver for exhaust pollution. Which is all, okay. it's just sort of an insane thing to do. Yeah. Like oh, Al, yeah. Al Pacino, you're, you're, you're an actor. You are <laughs> you're a, regu- a regular you're just, guy. You're just an actor. And also for exhaust pollution? Of all the things. 
You just you couldn't just softball in a speeding accusation. It's for the crime of driving a vehicle. Uh, he's an avid fan of William Shakespeare, Hamlet <laughs> being his favorite play. I'm gonna say that's Al Pacino not having something else to say when he's asked. Yeah. Like, what's the one? <laughs> what's your favorite song? A uh, birthday song. It's just like whatever the first <laughs> thing that pops into your head. Yeah. <laughs> Hamlet. Hamlet uh, is the one that you would pick if you were senior in high school. Mm-hmm. Turned down the role of Michael Corleone in The Godfather video game. <laughs> <laughs> I really buried the lead on that one. <laughs> that uh, is that is the trivia. Uh all right, I'm going to give you one that's actually sort of interesting. I uh, am a little surprised he turned it down, considering the body of work he has not turned down. It's true. It's you true. Know? I mean, it, like, it does make sense for anyone else of his acting caliber and, uh, like, you know, stature. Not stature, but, you know, well, prominence. The, but he's also, also, like, he's Al Pacino, and he, we all know he don't give a fuck. It's like one of the last ones left alive from that movie, so, like... I mean, did Abe Vigoda do play his part? Like, uh, yeah. So, something that's genuinely Joe Pesci said yes is not in The Godfather. <laughs> uh, Michelle, have you seen The Godfather? Oh, yeah. fucking, do you know fucking who? Good do fellas. you know who directed The Godfather? Because you you said <laughs> you it was do. Scorsese, which is also not true. <laughs> goddamn idiot. <laughs> uh, I mean, you gotta love when I got a degree in film. <laughs> Oh, good. They've got some similar consonants and vowels. Italians. Uh, so, Al Pacino uh, is one of the few Razzie Award winners to have won an acting award for playing himself. He won Worst Supporting Actor for Jack and Jill, the Adam Sandler movie in 2011, where he apparently plays himself. Huh. Uh, but he didn't do a good job. Well, it is the movie Jack and Jill. Where Adam Sandler plays a twin brother and sister. Yeah, he does. I guess... I have to assume in Jack and Jill, where Al Pacino plays himself, he comes on to Adam Sandler as Jill, right? Like, there's no... There's Ew, absolutely no doubt. There's, yeah. I've never seen it. I will never see it, because we're doing the Al Pacino episode for this movie. Yeah. I Ooh, Are there cannot, people in it, though? Might I have to watch cannot Jack and Jill. imagine that it's anything else... Then he comes on to Jill and Jack and Jill. Uh, yeah, I think you're correct. I I do like how... I mean, he's not a... I'm sure he's won more than one Razzie, right? Like, this, that can't be the only one. I if it's, the, if it's the only one and it's the only one where he was playing himself, that makes me sad. Yeah, I, I assume Because he got nominated not. for a Razzie for the movie we watched today. I can't remember if he won and I, I did not check... I don't think he won. <clears throat> he was probably I, up against some tough contenders that year. but I couldn't say. Oh, I'll just pull up the, Raz- the Razzies. Uh, he, he has only won once for Jack and Jill. Huh. He, That's he was nominated. <laughs> he was nominated for Revolution, 1985, Geely, 88 Minutes and Righteous Kill in the same year, and Jack and Jill, which, for which he won. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so another piece of interesting uh, Al Pacino trivia is he's a huge fan of Dick Van Dyke. 
Great. After completing The Godfather, Pacino was so broke, he I actually... I think you meant Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. <clears throat> I think you might mean Goodfellas. Pacino was so broke after completing The Godfather that he owed the studio $15,000, so he never received a paycheck for working on the film. He... How does Wait, that what? work? How do you run up a tab on a movie that you're being paid to from, in? From the studio? Like, Al Pacino, that's not a bank. That's I know it was the 70s, but, like, credit cards was a thing. I don't Pacino, even understand. Who, I'm not familiar with that being a concept. He owed the studio 15000 Like, that's also, like, in 1972, quite a bit of money. Yeah, that's a chunk of change. I just, I want the backstory on that one. I mean, unless he walked out with a briefcase of their money, I don't understand how he owes them money. Uh... D- so, uh, before becoming a professional actor, he had a number of jobs, including a messenger, shoe salesman, supermarket checker, shoe shiner, furniture mover, office boy, fresh fruit polisher, and a newsboy. Hold on. Let's rewind for a second there. Wait. Furniture mover, office boy, fresh fruit polisher. No, that's not newsboy. what it says. I am reading this word for word. Uh. Fresh. So he's polishing apples. So his job is just to polish apples, pears, nectarines, a banana or two. Bananas. You want to avoid the pineapple. Uh, you want to avoid Al the Pacino. banana if you want to stay in show business. <laughs> or at least the brand of show business that you're currently striving to be in. I don't, okay. I don't think this was like 1971. Al Pacino in a studio lot is like yes, polishing a grapefruit. <laughs> Uh, I mean, but still, was, was that a, young, a job? A young man. Was that a job to polish the fruit? It's not a job. Aren't you just the produce stalker? Like, are, is it like here's a guy who wheels out all the produce, and then here's a separate guy that works the shift after that, where they just go through and polish up all the apples? See, see I'm picturing <laughs> Al Patch in the back room, like eight <clears throat> years old, just like spit shining a pear. Oh my god! Well, I mean, he was—he did. Oh, a lot of money after The Godfather, so... Yeah, it's just... It, who knows when this yeah. when this job was going down. <laughs> just lube down pomegranate. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to read a couple of quotes of uh, Mr. Pacino. Fair warning, none of these even approach Jeremy Irons. <laughs> Man, yeah, trigger warning on Jeremy these, Irons. These are more... Terrible things. These are more in the Rami Malek category. Yeah. Uh there are times when I have a temperament. Yes, my temperament is there. But I hope I'm gentle. Yes, I think I am. <laughs> Full quote, beginning to end. Did, did, did he mean t- temper? <laughs> he, he, sometimes uh, he has a temperament. What, what boggles my mind is somebody decided to write this down. Like, yeah, that's the wor- fact that's, that it's even being. That quote's I mean, nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. That can't be. Yeah, IMDb is a mystery to me. It's just a little mystery. Uh, so the next one, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna try to break out my bad Al Pacino impression. Uh, I have been holding it in. I think it's time to let it go. Uh, my apologies to everybody, you particularly, Michelle. Eh. Uh, I'm single and I don't particularly like it. I'm certainly <laughs> the kind of person who prefers it. Ugh. It. It's good to have someone in your life that you're going through this thing with. 
it's it's good. That's a thing in life that I aspire to. Oh, oh, Al. I know. It's oh, so buddy. sad. You the, sh- on the page. I'm certainly the kind of person who prefers dot dot dot. It. it dot 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 it again <laughs> dot 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 that's a man staring into the heart of darkness that's a man who says that to his mirror and then writes that down and then up and then uploads that quote to the internet himself like just to get kn- it out you know there's like a reporter with a microphone in his face and he's yeah. saying that, and his stare is beginning to go long while this fucking is... Simon and Garfunkel play Darkness yeah. in the background. I was going to say, this is the, the, the sad Ben Affleck moment. Uh-huh. It's just the, the hello, Darkness, my old friend. I really need some it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one. Uh, Excuse me. The, uh, okay. What I'm going to do, I'm going to... Uh, leave out the introduction to this quote, which is just mm-hmm. context. And yeah. I'm going to ask you to try to fill in what the context of this quote is. Ooh, a game. I gave that boy, Bruce Willis, a career. What is he talking about? It is, oh. is, about, tur- it is about turning down a role. He turned down a role. What did he turn down a role in that gave Bruce Willis a career? I mean, he can't be saying someone offered him Die Hard, right? Yes, correct. No. Can no. you imagine? No. That t- I mean, I'll give him this. He's a little guy. He could get up in those vents, and he could really move around. yippee ki so- <laughs> He's just... I mean, and he wasn't like a young, young man at that point. I guess he was. And it was the 90s. No, he's, he was not a good-looking young Willis. man at that point. That is not he's the like- time. I He's guess like late eighties, already forty, in his forties. Like it's just a stretch. Like, did someone offer that role to him after Bruce Willis took it as a polite gesture <laughs> because they heard <laughs> we, he was oh, so we, interested? We meant to give this to you. Well, I'm sorry, it must have gotten mixed up in the mail. Did you want to oh. do this? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, we can definitely give it. He's a phone call away. We'll just tell him no. He's 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 an amateur. You're, you're a shoo-in. Definitely, definitely. Oh, oh, you didn't want it. Yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Al, yeah, we've, per- we've seen you run. You're you're not an action star. I'm sorry to tell you. Oh, his his little run. His little his run. Little, it's been the same forever. It's his, just like his, this little... His fancy little run. He looks like he needs to have um, sparklers in both hands. <laughs> what it looks like is he's like jumping rope as he runs, but without a rope in his hands. His little arms out to each side, and mm-hmm. his legs kind of do a shuffle. I mean, every actor does not need to be an athlete, but but every actor does not need to do the amount of running that they require of Al Pacino. It's true; they have a lot run of a these lot, movies, but especially this one. All right, let's talk about this fucking movie. In dress shoes, yeah. So, eighty-eight minutes is our movie of the week, and this movie is. Five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I know what you're thinking. Ah, no one saw it. That is not true. This movie, <laughs> which came out in 2007, was reviewed 124 times on Rotten Tomatoes to garner a five percent rating. So yeah. that's where we're at. This movie is steaming dog shit, but I enjoyed every oh, minute of it. 
I had so much fun. There were a lot of moments when I laughed out loud. There were a lot of moments when I had to go back and watch stuff again just to like get the dialogue right because there are some choice lines. Um, how would you describe Al Pacino's acting style in this movie? Uh, vaudevillian. Uh, uneven. And I would say like, to me, everybody in this movie is doing bad improv. Like, yeah, a- yeah. audience throwing out prompts in the middle of the show, yeah. improv. Yeah. Like, Henry texted me when we were, watching, we were watching it that it's like someone's yelling out twists from the audience and they're just taking mm-hmm. every suggestion. It's true. How would you describe his acting? Uh, I agree that there's some vaudevillian elements. And then, like, I, it's hard to say because a lot of it is just him on the phone. It's just a man uh-huh. on his... To 2007, but it's meant to be 1999 cellular telephone device. Uh, but almost all the acting reads either like an over-the-top audition or like a fucking trip to the dentist. Like, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. just like shuffling through every scene. Okay, actually, you know when you spot someone's drunk uncle at a wedding mm. and like it's already most of the way through like the reception mm-hmm. and like, Maybe their clothes are baggy. Their ties on kind of crooked. They're looking a little worse for wear. And they're just kind of shuffling up to women and maybe getting a little too close and just lingering a little bit too long. It's like that moment, but for 88 minutes. So the way that, in fact, 108 minutes, uh, mm-hmm. the way that I feel um, Al Pacino performs in this movie suggests, and there's some other context clues that would support this. That he is periodically being picked up by an unmarked van wherever he is, driven to a soundstage, told go, and then grabbed back, taken back to wherever he was, and they just did that over and over again for months to get the movie. Like, Yeah, he seems shell-shocked at all times. Also, like, the his facial hair suggests that's what's happening. Oh, oh like, yeah. Well, it's like they, uh, it's like they hung him... It's like they transported him not so much in a van as in a convertible going 100 miles an hour. Oh, that's his head hair. I want to specifically talk about his facial hair. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, nasty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's it's nasty in so many ways. Uh, All right. So the the basic premise of this movie. Al Pacino is like a famous forensic psychiatrist. Yeah. Who has put. A serial killer on death row, mm-hmm. and somebody is now it has is like stalking Al Pacino to tell him that they're going to kill him in eighty eight minutes, and that's basically that's the plot of the movie. Yeah, uh, it begins. You like see the serial killer kill, like kill one woman and like try to kill another woman, I guess, mm-hmm. and then you like cut to the courtroom. And I want to talk about a couple things in this courtroom. Yeah. But the one that I want to talk about at this very moment is as they're interviewing Al Pacino on the stand, you sometimes get close-ups of his face. And <laughs> what's happening on his face is that he is beginning to grow a goatee. Like, like two days in <laughs> yeah. to growing yeah. a goatee, where he has shaved the rest of his face, but he has this like... It's thin. This budding bumper crop of facial hair yeah. coming out of just... His, like, the capuchin area of his mouth. like Yeah, it's just, like, day four of a chia pet. Like, it's not, it's, all you got is is the promise of hair later. It's very sparse. 
Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It's the kind of facial hair where you've you've made this commitment, but you should not leave your house. Like, is that to show the passage of time? Because I don't think there is that much foresight. I think it was literally just like, oh shit, we got to do a pickup reshoot, and you shaved the hair already. What are we gonna do about that? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're rocking your regular hair again. I guess we gotta just, and then they just try to fill it in only a little we bit. We don't have a spirit gum budget. We nope. just see you go. Uh, no, I think they're grab. I think they told him pre-shoot, wear a goatee, grow a goatee, and they're like, "Psych, we're gonna fucking kidnap you one day into growing the goatee and put you on a soundstage and film this courtroom scene." So weird. It's yeah, you really get to see the facial hair evolve. Uh, There's the. Some- Oh, go on. Let's keep oh, talking about just... mustaches. Oh, no, no. Well, also, like, I guess his uh, his goatee then throughout the rest of the movie does also change in thickness, color, and depth. Like, it, it if you if you watch this movie in time lapse, like, you would watch his <laughs> goatee go in breathe and in and out. <laughs> yeah, like when you watch a, a time lapse of like a tide pool and you see the mm-hmm. anemones just coming in yeah, and out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I thought I was crazy. I'm glad that you also noticed his facial hair doing other stuff because uh, just whoever was on makeup and hair was oh, doing doing exactly what everyone who worked on every other part of this movie was doing. Just and the hair is what. You made reference to the hair. His hair is tall, very tall. Do you, uh, do you know what a tamarind monkey looks like? I do. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The crazy fluffy uh, spiky the little lion guys. monkeys. He yeah. looks like a black-haired tamarind. Yeah, he's got. I mean, it's it's long on the sides. It's long on top, but it's especially tall on top. It's mm-hmm. a couple shades of different color. His skin is leathery and, oh, and yeah. leathery and tan. Like I haven't seen it in mm-hmm. <laughs> in a long time. He's got a real um, saddle face. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got a look, and I don't know if this was like a nod to the '90s or just because everyone wanted to really hammer home that he's. He's a small man, but that that suit does not fit. That suit don't no. fit. It's a big no. old baggy boy. He's a baggy boy, and he's got a baggy tie, and just everything about what they did with his physical self is puzzling and breathtaking. What's So what's fun is this movie does take place at a very specific point in time. Oh, yeah, it does. So it, but also none of it's for any reason. So like it. Opens of, in ninety seven. Yeah, none of the Princess Diana has just died. Yep. Like, there are so Amelie. many references to they Princess Diana. They center it around Princess Diana. Yeah, there's like magazine covers. Princess Diana dies, and it's like I think it's on the TV in the background. And you, you're like, I'm focused in. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that day too. Like, I'm ready. I'm putting myself in 1997 or whenever the hell. 97. Yeah. Uh, and then they specifically jump to seven years later. So this movie that came out in 2007 yeah. is set very specifically in 2004. But, like, the year could not matter less to this time-based movie. Like, no. it's very specific about no. time. There's no need. <laughs> There's no, no need. need at all. 
And they fuck it up a bunch of different ways. So, like, okay, they introduce that it's the late 90s, specifically 1997, not just the late 90s. But then in the murder sequence where, like, the girls are getting, there's two girls in an apartment. One of them gets murdered. Oh, Joni and Janie? Yeah. Whose, whose names definitely had a lot of thought from the writer. Uh-huh. We're supposed to be uh, twins, which is super racist because they're just two Asian women who are mm-hmm. not twins. Not That's the cool. least. Don't look the least bit alike. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, but then they're listening to music that definitely didn't happen for probably another three or four years, uh-huh. which I made note of because I was in middle <laughs> school during those years. And I remember when the Backstreet Boys were famous, not when Princess Di was dying. And uh, then... Totally true. Huh. Uh, oh, what's the next thing? Oh, yeah. Cell phones are are a big part of this movie. TiVo is referenced in this movie. Are all those things things that were around at this time? I guess maybe the... Uh, TiVo, I think, was maybe yeah. at that point. TiVo was... You get a lot of MSNBC in this. This yeah. movie is, like, intense on product placement in ways that are not flattering to the thing being placed. <laughs> That's true. Which is... Yeah. <laughs> I love when they do that in movies. Like, MSNBC is, like, clearly paid money paid real legal american tender to be featured in this dog shit movie where they're deeply irresponsible journalists over and over and over again yeah it feels more like a ransom note to msnbc (laughs) where it's like hey guess what guys we have put you in this movie watch the movie and tell me how much money you would pay me to take you out of it I suggest sending a blank check our way because we got to pay Al Pacino and that hair does not gel itself. Uh, so you mentioned the music that the murder girls uh, are listening to. The Generally, the soundtrack of this movie... Oh, it's Buckwild. Could not be weirder. <laughs> yeah, so first of all, you know that you're not in a safe place when the movie starts... And the production company that pops up on screen, do you remember this? Did like did you see the little production slide? No. It, it says it says family room entertainment in bubbly letters, like bubble letters. <laughs> oh, it no. looks like you're about to watch a PBS like Sesame Street presentation. <laughs> And, uh, oh, there's another one where it's just, like, a real cheesy, like, and it just says Millennium Movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, Family Room Entertainment. And then we just, after this Princess Die scene, we hard open on Miss New Booty by Bubba Sparks playing right. super loud out of a clock Al Pacino, radio. it's his alarm. It's this fucking <laughs> Ph.D., psychiatrist's alarm <laughs> clock plays booty 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 rocking everywhere yeah wait but he's at a different person's house right no yes no is that's at, his house that is his house i'm pretty certain that's his house why does she okay so the movie opens in a really crazy way that is honest about what the movie's gonna be in terms of how sexualized they want al pacino to be Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the, mm-hmm. the maximum. Yeah, and absolutely. He's very handsy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then also just like the the soundtrack decisions and just generally how much it's going to make sense because the first thing that happens is fucking booty, 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 rocket everywhere is just top volume. He rolls out of bed looking confused and then there's a naked woman brushing her teeth with standing with one leg completely over her head looking in the mirror uh casually looks over at him and says good morning and then she makes him eggs naked with an apron on because and you said she's butt-ass naked this whole time right 
Yeah, very much. All yes, kinds of butt ass naked. Do spread eagle on one leg like a fucking sex flamingo. It's brushing her teeth like, like yeah. some pervert's fantasy. Yeah, like the specificity of the fantasy too. Like contorting her body. And brushing her teeth with an electronic toothbrush. It's like, you know when you see like one of those weird fetish videos pops up and it's nothing sexual is necessarily happening, but it's like really weird specific stuff like a girl brushing her hair and eating cereal and wearing a revealing tank top. And you're like, eh, this mm-hmm. isn't a real mm-hmm. video, mm-hmm. is it? Oh, mm-hmm. this is one of those. This feels like one of those. Yeah, of, no, no question. A lot question. of very specific no stuff that maybe just the director needed to capture on celluloid. Well, you also have like when the uh, the murder twins are getting murder attempted and murdered, like yeah. as this woman is going to feed her cat, she's just like slowly taking off clothes. Like she's <laughs> looking for her cat first in just a bra and then just a yeah. bra and underwear. And then she's in this like <laughs> slicky negligee, like at her apartment with her yeah. sister looking for her cat. Cat uh, food striptease. Very weird. Yeah, the movie kind of uh, opens like a classic horror movie, which is what I thought it was going to be at first, uh, based on the way that they play the first like three minutes. It's mm-hmm. like always a naked, beautiful woman who gets brutally murdered in her house. That makes sense. And then you're just in the courtroom and having a different time. And Al Pacino, in the world of this movie, exclusively has sex with women who are one third of his age. At most like like probably younger than his youngest daughter like and he's this is what like 2007 he's in his 60s yes and like they're not playing him up younger like he's he's meant to be that old in this movie meant meant to be an old dude and most people that he is currently having sex with became legally able to drink about two years ago and the people that he's not having sex with do want to have sex with him very badly Literally, like, even the gay ones. All over the place. Um, yeah. There's one other thing in the courtroom that I want to talk about. Yeah. Did you pay much attention to the defense attorney? Oh, she was dog shit. <laughs> like, she's a bad actress in a bunch of ways. But my favorite thing is that it's like Your her Honor. elbows. Her elbows had been screwed into her ribs, and so she <laughs> just like moved her arms at a right angle constantly like as like though she doll. could not move her elbows from her body nor could she lower or raise them so she's just like a fucking preset doll yeah constantly like swinging her arms back and forth I, like i've never seen a person do that in real life i've never seen an actor try to do like what what direction what decision making like it's not how it's so do. jarring it's not how human lawyers talk either. It's like, oh, your honor, objection, eh. just, <laughs> just a real, just a real cranky bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie, uh, this movie does not think highly of the of the ladies. I would no, say it's a no, deeply it misogynistic movie. Profoundly, uh, yeah. Um, it's. Doesn't think well of anybody, really. But yeah, it is especially bad to the there's a, the woman or sex. Yeah, so there's a... I guess, do we want to like get into plot points? There's really yeah, just yeah. It's like a, me, it's a meandering 
quest to see how many red herrings you can squeeze into a movie before everyone just checks out entirely. <laughs> this movie's so fucking cluttered. <laughs> I wrote uh, them all down that I could find and remember. Uh, um, there's like, a couple... so the... Yeah, please. Yeah, so <laughs> basically what's going on is seven years after this guy's conviction i am blanking on his name but the oh neil mcdonough neil mcdonough but uh what's his name in the movie oh forster is the character's name but i will be calling him neil mcdonough from here on out (laughs) yeah so he's he's about he's on death row and uh there have been a series of either possible copycat murders or it was the real killer all along because it's the same style of killing where somebody gets suspended by one of their feet and then, like, this specific little, like, uh, ritual of, like, slicing their leg and then mutilating mm-hmm. them. Um, anyway, so they're calling this person the Seattle Slayer. So lazy. Which, well, so and lazy. It, to me, Seattle Slayer sounds like, um, <laughs> like a monthly death metal magazine. <laughs> like, a, like a subscription yeah. you get when you're, like, entering the alternative music world. But yeah, so that guy's on the loose. And then everyone right, right. who That's is... a good point. These are all Seattle police officers. Like, yeah. why are they calling... It's like, that's just where you live. You don't have... That's enough... a good Every point. time there's a new yeah. murderer, do you... It's like, this is the Seattle Slayer. Now it's the Seattle Strangler. Now it's the Seattle's Poison. Like, Yeah, did you not you... have one of those yet? <laughs> It's also like, the Pacific the Zodiac Northwest. Killer. It's, like, it's kind of like the the murder capital of the world. So this guy also like States. has a very distinctive mo. Like yeah, he's you know he's the like the leg hanger. Yeah. Like you got there's so many things you can do. Oh, this is worth noting. So he kills his victims in the most inane, fucking ass backwards way, roundabout possible. way. <laughs> he like he drugs them. He strings them up using a fucking rope and pulley system, which he sets up in their house. Yeah. (laughs) Strings them up by their ankle and then like puts a small cut on their leg Uh and they bleed out through the small cut on their leg while they're... It's just like the most arcane. It's it's real. It's... Yeah. It's very... It's a slow burn. When you it's really... overdone. It's overdone. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that, though. They're setting the pulleys and ropes up in someone else's house, which, like, definitely requires some drilling. You need some load-bearing walls. Like, you need yeah. to know where the studs are. Yeah. So this person is bringing a stud finder, power tools, <laughs> carabiners, heavy-duty rope. That's a lot of gear. And meanwhile, the roommate the who gets murdered... It's the middle of the goddamn the... night when he does this. It's nighttime. The roommate in the other room is like, uh, pillow over my head. The music's kind of loud. Like, you would hear a drill going into uh-huh. your wall. Yeah. Guaranteed. Uh, this movie makes no sense. It's so good. Yeah, so, so basically... So Neil McDonough's on death row. Yeah. And he's doing a media tour on the day of his execution. <laughs> so many interviews. He's, he's fucking on the local radio station. He's on MSNBC twice in one day. Yeah, he's, uh, he's like a political pundit, but for stringing up ladies. He's is that just... a thing that you let no. <laughs> convicted serial killers just have know. a fucking nonstop, like, do the full goddamn, uh, yeah. oh. Well, and it's a ah. live feed. Like, they're, yeah, like a junket, like a press junket, but for, yeah. but for death 
but for impending it's like Jen Psaki up there just talking to every single media outlet <laughs> about so how he's innocent in advance of his impending murder for serial rape and murder. So good. Like, yeah, the country's really behind him too because it looks like at first uh, Al Pacino's Dr. Dr. Graham is like a hero in everyone's eyes. His mm-hmm. testimony gets this guy convicted because all of the evidence was circumstantial and everything hinged on Pacino's testimonial. Um, but yeah, and then all of a sudden on a dime, everyone flips and everyone's questioning him, including all of his own students. And basically everyone just starts shitting all over Al Pacino. It's the And best. to be fair... I mean, I'm I on, get it. I'm on board with shitting <laughs> on Pacino in this. Like, they're yeah. wrong within the fiction of the movie, but he's not a likable character. No. Uh, or, or very lunatic. good at his job. Or very no. good at understanding um, maybe, like, not junking up every single room you enter with your own semen, which is a I, thing he does. <laughs> wild. Truly wild. He uh, loves it. So, so yeah. So, Neil Mc... So, there's, like, these potential copycat killers. Neil McDonough is doing uh, this fucking... The, what is it called? There's a particular word for like when you do every media appearance. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, Something from the know. Clinton years. Uh, so he's doing that like fucking plastering mm-hmm. his voice all over. And Pacino's pulled in to sit down with an FBI agent, I think, or, or the attorney yeah. general, a representative attorney general, uh, to interview him about these copycat killers. And fucking <laughs> Pacino sits down with this, ta- this attorney general Seattle Slayer task force representative. And the following things come out of Pacino's mouth. Uh, he's Seattle Slayer Task Force. Okay, well, I'm sure you have a lot of questions, so I'll do the best I can. But first, no, first I think we should all have a cookie. Oh, yeah, wait, can we talk about the cookies and their return Please. to the scene? It's really yes. important to the movie, yes. to me. Yes. So the sister who survived the horrible uh, murder of her twin, not twin sister, uh, Anyway, the sister that survived is, like, celebrating um, what's-his-face's, Neil McDonough's uh, impending execution and comes to visit Al Pacino at work and brings him a plate of cookies because she is so grateful that he helped her with the case. And he gives her, and she says, I don't know if this is appropriate, and then he just very quickly leans in and gives her a delicate kiss right next to her ear, and then she says, uh, Two times. Yeah, and then and then she says, like, thank you so much for helping, thank you much for helping, and he brings her in a second time for a second little delicate kiss right next to her earlobe. And it is not the last time he gives women unsolicited little tiny kisses next to their earlobe. It happens three like three separate times. It happens yeah, it happens two more times in this movie. Two yeah. more little tiny dainty kisses from Al Pacino that no one asked for. Um so anyway, he's got cookies and then my favorite scene in the movie happens. Go on. Uh, so while we're sitting there talking about a serial killer, Pacino then starts asking different people in the room if they want milk to go with their cookies. <laughs> a little milk, is- maybe. Uh, he asks fucking the attorney general guy, do you want milk? The guy says, sure. He asks the FBI agent friend, do you want milk? The guy says, no, I don't want milk. Pacino says, well, I'll get your glass of milk anyway. <laughs> and he calls out to his like assistant or colleague, I can't quite yeah. tell, Shelly, we got milk, don't we? Bring in three glasses. And then Pacino's fucking assistant or colleague walks in carrying three glasses of milk, yelling, Milk me! Milk me! <laughs> <laughs> 
a movie with an Oscar winner in it. So, like, what I thought was going to happen is that sometimes what people need to eat in a movie to appear casual, you know, like that Brad Pitt effect. And I thought there was going to be some kind of payoff with the fucking cookies where he was going to be like a test or something. It's literally just a man (laughs) in a room with where the subject at hand could not be uh, more serious. It's about rape and murder. And... (laughs) And he just offers each man in turn cookies and each man milk. And then he gets the wrong amounts of milk because he's hopeful that one of the men is going to change his mind. (laughs) And then they put in a video of a woman being murdered. And that's like, and they never return. It is one of two times that Al Pacino, in the middle of an incredibly serious conversation, offers somebody something to eat or chew on. Yeah. Uh, it's the best it doesn't make any sense it's um <laughs> he he's got a real like i'm lost can you help me kind of an attitude <laughs> in the middle of most scenes just like a oh hey ah, it reminds me and like <laughs> michelle it's because he's just been kidnapped I know. brought to a soundstage <laughs> it's so incredible the like it's either that they let him just run around without a leash on and do whatever the fuck Al Pacino was feeling in the moment or a human wrote all those words down in that order and they dutifully kept to the script. So either way, it's buck wild. I mean, it's not like everybody else in this movie behaves normal. No. Like, nobody behaves like a regular human. So, like, the attorney general representative and the FBI agent then put in a video of this woman being murdered who's like reading a like basically like reading flashcards to Mm -hmm. Al Pacino saying like Al Pacino you were wrong about this murder and then turns to somebody behind the camera and says can I be done now will you let me go now and then they like then she gets murdered on screen also they stop the video. They look at Al Pacino and says, why would they say that, Al Pacino? It's like, <laughs> dude, she's clearly reading something. That the murderer is making her read. This is very... I'm not a fucking professional detective, but it's not that hard, my friend. You know what it's like? It's just like when someone becomes confused about something that you're trying to explain to them before you finished your sentence. Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 mm-hmm. no. Just, just wait till I'm done telling you. Like, I am really concerned that someone was put behind bars for no reason at all. Oh, what do you think about that? Wait, wait, wait. Just wait for it. <laughs> She's going to die. <laughs> like, uh-huh. It's okay. You're going to find your answers. You just got to wait for it. Four seconds. Um, everyone in this movie is really bad. The FBI, on the whole, and the specific FBI agent, is a idiot. Like, everyone, everything, everything they're letting Al Pacino's character get away with is, um, Mm -hmm. like, he's wandering out of active crime scenes that no one else has discovered yet. So casual. And they're just like, well... Are we going to find semen in there, too? Because we already found... <laughs> There's this incredible scene where, where, where Al Pacino, on a hunch, guesses that, <laughs> that the, the, the woman from the beginning of the movie, the Bubba Sparks yoga toothbrushing woman, he guesses that she might be dead. 
He goes to her house. She's she's dead as a doornail. And then he casually leaves the building, no, doesn't call anyone. And, and the FBI agent's waiting for him outside and basically asks, like, are we going to find something we don't want to see up there? And he's like, well, you're going to find a dead woman up there. And then he's like, that last woman that died, we found your semen in her vaginal canal, which is really, it's just not, it's out of place in this movie and it's distressing to hear. And then Al Pacino incredibly casually is like, oh, yeah, um... I mean, it, like, are you kidding me, though? Like, somebody somebody hired Sarah Pollard, who's the woman that just turned up dead, to be with me last night, and then killed her, took my semen, and deposited it into, <laughs> into, into, her, into her body. And that is, that's where we're at in terms of casual um, explanations for why, why dead people are. He also just, like, destroys evidence in front of FBI oh, constantly. agents. Like, and just... the interaction with the FBI agent about that is the FBI agent then says, that sounds crazy. Pacino's like, does it? Does it? And the FBI's yeah. like, okay, you can go. Like, <laughs> that scene's that scene is my second favorite scene. Even though I had to hear them say the word semen at least twice, it's <laughs> almost as funny as the milk scene. <laughs> milk scene's so because good. Because they play it so straight, but Al Pacino just looks so tired. He just wants to take a nap. He wants the scene to be over, man. The I also so I really like the lecture hall scene also. So like <laughs> yeah. Pacino has been shown this video of his student being murdered. Then he goes to work. He gets a phone call that says you have 88 minutes to live through like a voice modulator. Yeah. Uh, and and then he walks into his class. He asks the class Everybody there, do you know where the murdered woman is? Why is she late? He does not say this person is murdered. He's just, why is she, wh- where yeah, is she? Yeah, what's her name? It's, um... Carol oh. something? No. Yeah, they they give a lot of people first and last There's so names many that, names. And it's like, <laughs> they're really not on screen except for in flashbacks. Dale. So it's... Dale, Dale something. Her, she's got Dale a really name. weird dude name. So she, yeah, yeah, it's like Dale Morris. And that's... Right. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> He then, so he's lecturing to his fucking, like, doctoral student class. Yeah. One minute in, takes a phone call. Goes back. Starts talking again. Takes another fucking phone call. (laughs) The loudest phone you've ever heard. It's like when your mom answers the phone. Like, anyone's mom always has their phone on the highest Uh possible fucking setting. And he's got it, like... It's like, might as well have the Beverly Hills cop ringtone, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh... All right, so then he goes back to start again, giving a fucking, like, a lecture on serial killers, gets another fucking phone call and takes it. And now he's, like, having this weird, aggressive phone call with this, like, psycho murderer in front of his class. Then he runs over to a student, grabs the phone out of the student's hand, and badgers him about what this score of Mariners game is. He then runs out of his class with an explanation. (laughs) He then runs back in. The (laughs) students say... Look at their phone like, Dale, this woman was murdered last night. A student says to Al Pacino, is that true, Dr. Graham? Yeah. Pacino says, yes. But he doesn't say yes, he goes, yeah. (laughs) And then the same student says, you knew and didn't tell us? So listen, student, (laughs) why did you ask him then? What, if you didn't expect (laughs) him to know, why would you ask? What? 
if you thought he, if you didn't think he would know why is that true i don't understand how, who what's is the thinking true? here yeah because he wanders into the room asking if anyone has seen her so everyone's pretty sure he hasn't seen her and then their question to him is all right so verify the murder yes <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, Nothing makes any sense. It's like two people that haven't met each other are uh, are passing a paper back and forth and finishing the dialogue without reading what the other person wrote first. Because really fucking sweet. the audience is yelling out prompts yeah, and yeah. people are going for Deep it. Deep improv energy, especially in this scene. Because like, <laughs> yeah, he leaves the classroom like, what did you just say, four times? <clears throat> he takes three phone calls and then runs out and runs yeah. back in. Yeah, and meanwhile, there's this ominous guy in all leather that's been following oh, yeah. him around Vampire on a Bill motorcycle. Chilling out in the back. Not in the class, standing at the top of the stairs, just like gargoyling over the entire class. And he's like, huh, who is that guy? <laughs> it's just Vampire Bill from True Blood, just yeah. doing his thing. Yeah. Uh, then there's a bomb threat called in. And during the bomb threat, somebody has written, you have 76 minutes to live on the slide projector. Yeah. Uh, his his dean, who's who comes in and announces the bomb threat, uh, then like says you need to take this threat to campus security. Uh, they have this like lengthy back and forth where she like accuses him of not taking things seriously enough. Says that uh, <clears throat> she wants to slap the shit out of him. That he's like hiding his his feelings about assistance to other people. Like the whole thing. Yeah. And then I'd say two minutes into this. Uh, Pacino just offers her gum. She says, thank you, (laughs) and takes the gum. And that's more or less the end of the scene. Yeah. I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah, he loves giving people little treats and kisses. Treats and kisses. But, like, somebody wrote this in, or (laughs) the audience has yelled out, give her gum again! (laughs) Oh. And we get to see his fancy little run. So he's wearing a trench coat, and it's just a big old baggy suit. He's swimming around in there, and he's like, uh, he stumbles across um, Lily Sobieski, who's got like a scrape on her face, and she's in a panic in a stairwell, telling him like, "I've I've been attacked. I've been attacked." And then that's how he is. That how he finds. And I've been car? a man's hand, and so yeah. he starts running around a yeah. fucking parking garage, yelling at people, "Show me your hand!" Yeah, show me your hand. I'm an FBI. Agent, kind of. <laughs> I'm just gonna show you a card. Uh, he's Doesn't not he a law like enforcement a woman? professional. She's he's like a, a fucking. He's yeah. like he's a college professor. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then, oh yeah. So then he brings Lily Sovieski, who's all shaken up from the attack, to the police station, and we meet another character that is just suspicious and creepy for absolutely no reason. They all have fucking crazy names. His name is, like, something DeFranco. It's, like, John oh, DeFranco. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and he, he looks like somebody tried to get Charlie Day in this movie. Yeah. But failed. Yeah, exactly. Like, kind of kind of manic, definitely stuck him in the basement, like, to get it, keep him away from the others. Um, so he's weird for no reason. And then the, and Pacino orders a background check on him for no reason. Like, just mm-hmm. orders a background check. Because he has a tattoo. Check. Yeah, on a guy that he's met for, like, 90 second stops. Um, yeah, I'm, I made a list of all the people that you are to think are possible murderers, and there's just, there's at least seven, and there's just so many weirdos that they just throw in here. 
but yeah, so then... The movie be cluttered. So what I like is, so you're given... This movie makes a big deal about happening in real time. So when he says there's 88 minutes to live, you have like exactly 88 minutes of the movie until you find out who the murderer is. Yeah. Uh, at 72 minutes... Uh, we have like the, there's there's just two times we're given the like first and second time it was like 72 minutes and 56 minutes there's a 14 minute gap correct that's that is right right it's 16 mm-hmm. minutes it's no no 16 minutes yes okay uh, in that 16 minutes Al Pacino walks out of class during a bomb scare has a lengthy conversation with his dean goes into the garage. Lily Sobieski is attacked. He chases down three separate cars and gets them to show hands. He then takes Lily Sobieski across campus to security. He debriefs with the campus security guard. He then has his FBI friend run background checks on five separate people. He then <laughs> takes Kim off campus and through traffic, and then we get 50, 56 minutes. Like, the this movie's so sense of time yeah, is not exactly right. Uh, and then you have, like, another 12 minutes, and it's, like, and nothing's happened. Yeah. Uh, Um, He goes home, and there's this, like, knockoff Ethan Hawke in the lobby that he has a nonsense conversation with. The guy with with. the rattiest mustache of all time, who's also (laughs) suspicious for no reason, and he's like, oh, I haven't seen you here before, and, like, I'm the, I'm the temporary, like, lobby security guard. And it's just like, but why? Why is every single person a suspect? Also, that guy looks like a cartoon. It's the best. Um, and then he goes upstairs with, uh, with. oh my god, what is her name? Uh, Let me find it. Yeah, the, the character's name is Kim. The actress's name is Alicia Witt. Oh yeah, Alicia Witt. So he's, he and Alicia Witt are upstairs she's kind of hitting on him while he's in his house kind of hitting on him she's undressing yeah yeah she takes off a sweater and lounges on the stairs um and then he says (laughs) there's been a breach in my place in my most secure area (laughs) and that one just really got me yeah (laughs) My most secure private area. <laughs> There's all these little moments. Somebody's um, gotten to his taint. Yeah. Uh, so then he gets a call from his assistant saying, turn on, turn on MSNBC. The judge granted Neil McDonough an interview. Mind you, Neil McDonough has been on MSNBC earlier that day. Oh, like Like the day. movie has <laughs> forgotten that entirely. Yeah. So like it, this now, this second interview required a judge's sign off. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, this movie is fucking product placement for MSNBC. And Al Pacino calls into MSNBC, and you've got Neil McDonough on, and then this fucking like drunk paparazzi photo of Al Pacino <laughs> as he calls in. They couldn't have used like whatever photo would pop up on like the university website. His it mouth's like... half open. He looks like he hasn't slept in four days. It's like when you accidentally turn on your front-facing camera. It's just the worst photo of Al Pacino. It's the best. And then he has like a zero lag live conversation with someone in a maximum security prison. So that's mm-hmm. neat. Mm-hmm. They get to debate each other. Yeah. Uh, Along the way, we've learned that Alicia Witt's being followed by Vampire Bill from True Blood, and we get these, like, seven different versions of who he is. Yeah. Like, her boyfriend, her husband, her husband who used to beat her, her husband who was actually really nice to her, her husband who's protecting her from Al Pacino, because she's in love with Al Pacino. Uh, 
Like, who, who follows her around everywhere that she doesn't like? No, she does. Like, yeah. it's, again, shouted from the audience. Uh, yeah. Then, <clears throat> then, like, you finally see him at the door. Oh, yeah. And then he's just shot dead. Yeah, so, well, also, this movie just doesn't understand what emergency is. No one has any sense of urgency, like, no. ever at all. So they look out through, like, the the uh, looky-looky hole, and he's out there with a gun, very obviously with a gun, and she's like, oh, he wouldn't hurt me. Like, all right, well, let You've him in. You've talked a lot quick. about him beating you, lady. Yeah, he's also been tracking Al Pacino, like, the whole time. In his all leather outfit, and he shows up at his front door, and he's like, "Ah, just make it quick." <laughs> and then, I mean, he immediately gets shot in the head by some other person on the stairs. So, right, it does. It's that was just like wearing a, a fucking Daft Punk helmet. Yeah, that uh, was the first like red herring, or like the fourth, depending on how many mysterious moments you've been counting up at this point. But yeah, they then eliminate they run that outside. one. There's a second bomb threat called into Al Pacino's apartment. He does. An army roll in front of a fire truck. <laughs> Movement was so stupid and fun. <laughs> and not necessary. And, not necessary at all. And then Alicia Witt goes to unlock her car, and uh, and then it explodes from her unlocking her car with her like, you know, her yeah, uh, Bluetooth key or whatever. Well, but uh, first she she tries to use it, tries to unlock the car. It does nothing. And then Al Pacino just tackles her right. to the ground. And there's this funny beat where they're both just sitting there, nothing's happening. And he's like, oh, I don't know why. I just thought something was going to happen. And I really wanted them to just let it simmer there. Mm-hmm. But instead, <laughs> they explode a car, which, like, the movie also forgot that there's a very specific time frame that he is supposed to die in. Yes. <clears throat> right, right, and th- right. But they were prepared to just off him to kill also, him a bunch of different also times. in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Uh Fucking, also, that, what, doesn't that defeat the purpose of a car bomb if it's set off by unlocking it from a distance? Yes. <laughs> like, the old ones, like, I've seen Casino, like, you need to start the engine. Yeah. And then it explodes. And that's, you guarantee that person is in the car. Uh-huh. Real like, sloppy work there. It's just a way to, like, kill a grandma in a shopping center. I know. And then Al Pacino runs to a cab. Oh. And says, I'll give you $100. This is 2007. That's not that much money. No, it's not much money at all. I'm doing what happens next. Your cab myself. Oh, yeah. Not only is the guy on board, but this goes on for the rest of the movie. (laughs) The whole movie. The guy is quietly in the backseat, and Al Pacino is not driving that fast or that reckless. It's not like a, I'll get me there faster if I'm the one behind the wheel. At one point, he just stops to slowly sift through paperwork <laughs> at a stop, at a stop red line. light, and the light changes like three times, and he makes two phone calls and looks at small detailed paperwork. <laughs> Bitch, that's why cabs exist. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you didn't want to go, you could have had a guy making you go. <laughs> right. He also knows how to drive. That is his profession. You don't have to drive the cab and do your paperwork and stop the entire process of go just so that you can look through all of these like small documents from a prison. It's the best. And I am just tickled pink that the guy in the backseat not only does not care or comes at the low, low price of $100, but he also at one point steps out of the cab so that he can have a private conversation. Mm-hmm. 
And then offers later that I'll keep the car running if you give me another hundred dollars. Like he's just in it. He it's is a cheap date. He has nothing else going on, and he is unfucking bothered by what is transpiring and how many crime scenes they are just ping ponging in between. So, so yeah, Al Pacino's having the, the sketchiest conversations of all time on the phone. By the way, like couldn't be more red flags. It's great. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He then goes into the the sex worker's house. Uh, and, like, finds her also, you know, copycat murdered. Yeah. Uh, tells Alicia Witt that my DNA is going to be all over this place. She's basically yeah. on board. She runs away. Uh, and then fucking his assistant comes to the sex worker's apartment to find Pacino. Do you remember him telling her that that's where he was going? Because no. I don't remember that at mm. all. I do not. I do not remember that. Does she have a tracer on him? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, because he needed her phone number. He said, "I have her address. <clears throat> I need her phone number." Maybe he was having his. He was having his assistant run a lot of background checks, so it is possible she could know that that's but, where she, that person lives. But like, why would she know that? But that's why would where she go there? Yeah, there's no reason to go there. Yeah, she must have a homing device on him. Which... Trust just give him information that she's been talking to him on the phone constantly. Yeah. It is he also had... worth noting. This is going to come up later. Very early on, he breaks. I mean, like fucking shatters his phone. Like I've never seen a phone actually break this way. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like shattered like a plate glass window. Yeah, it looks like uh, someone stabbed it with an ice pick. But so he, don't worry, he, moments later, the situation resolves itself because he just gets another phone. He takes Alicia Witt's phone. Yeah. Right? Uh, he then is wandering around looking for Alicia Witt, who's run away from the second worker's apartment, finally making a sane decision. Yeah. And he then calls Alicia Witt. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, no. Oh, earlier in the movie, she says, get me on my Blackberry if you need anything. So she's got a second device. But wait, you can't make calls with a BlackBerry, right? You can only... Not, not then, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, I guess then it makes no sense. And she's on a phone. No, so that makes no sense. The movie yeah. just keeps forgetting what movie did. <laughs> uh, by this point, also, two different people, Alicia Witt and the Dean, have called him to confess that they are who murdered all of these people. Oh, yeah. Everyone's telling him that they're doing murders. So... He is now gone. This is where he meets the FBI agent who says, we've got your semen. You're coming in. He's like, nah, it's cool. FBI yeah, agent's like, don't fine, Don't be a dummy. Sweet. I put my semen everywhere. Just just let, <laughs> let, don't point a gun at me. And the guy's like, okay. And then he lets him go. Yeah. Uh, and I also like this thing that like Pacino over and over again keeps going places where people who say they're trying to kill him are telling him to go. Yes. Which is like... He is it's, taking the bait. It's not how I would respond to a murder threat, personally. I've never been there, but I feel like... He doesn't call anyone else, either. He's really confident in um, his sense of dealing with a crisis, because he's not calling for any backup. In no, fact, he's... told he's, nobody where he's going. Yeah, he'd prefer that the FBI agent stay far, far away, because he's yeah. got semen to put places, and he doesn't, <laughs> want, <laughs> he doesn't want anyone to witness it. No, but he's, he's showing up with, like, a gun that... And, and no one knows where he is. It's perfect. Yep. He then, he shows up and Lily Sobieski is the murderer. Yep. She's the copycat murderer. Yep. She has strung up the Dean uh, a couple stories up, like, 
uh, above like a big open lobby. So she's getting about to plummet to her death. And then Alicia Witt is uh, tied to a chair on a balcony. Yeah. So she's getting ready to kill both of them. And then <laughs> I tripped out because I couldn't figure out what was going on. Al Pacino enters the scene and he has a gun pulled just pointed right at Lily Sobieski and she says is that a gun and he, he's like yeah and he's pointing the gun at her and then she's like you better tell me if that's a gun <laughs> it's so confusing that for a second I was like does she not see the gun can she not see the gun is this it's it's more improv he's just mm-hmm. Is it really a gun? It could also it's, be a tiger. This it's is my phone. Believe. Anything could be happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it takes him like two or three tries to successfully um, kick the gun over to her, which is funny. And I love that. Takes. I love that. <laughs> like, why, why show that he can't kick it the first time? Why do it so many times? It's funny. Um, yeah. So and basically, then the FBI agent shows up without prompting. Uh, yeah. Exactly He's just where been he needs following to be. him. And shoot, but following him not to where Pacino is, but to the perfectly placed spot across the atrium from where Pacino is. Yeah, perfect vantage point to kill her by shooting her in the back of the yeah. head. And then, yeah, and then he murders Lily Sobieski. But so, uh, yeah, he does. He does shoot Lily Sobieski, and then this whole time, Lily Sobieski, before she gets shot right in the head, has been kind of like teasing Al Pacino by like pulling on this pulley system uh-huh. and like releasing the dean like 10 feet and letting her like think she's gonna plummet and then effortlessly kind of reeling her back up <laughs> and then lily gets shot in the head thereby releasing the rope and al pacino grabs on can't lift can't lift the dean <laughs> no. and it takes a second man to uh-huh. fully lift this woman to safety it takes two full-grown men Listen, I'm not saying Lily Sobieski isn't a strong lady. She's a tall lady. She seems mm-hmm. like she could be a strong lady. Uh, but it's really funny, and it doesn't make any sense. It's Yeah, you're right. One of the things that I really appreciate about this movie is that it really... Like, it pulls no punches about Al Pacino's physique. Yeah. Like, they, a lot of movies will hide that he's a little, little guy. Yeah, he's uh, a little boy. He's, you know... He has a diminutive frame, offset by his formidable bearing. Uh, he, like, you see in a room full of, like, regular-sized men, he's little, little. They have him run in, like, full body. You can see him doing his, like, yeah, uh, yeah his sort of in a, in a billowy, double dutch. In a billowy pair of pants and a big, big jacket. And it's like, right. you know, when you his see Daddy's Tom Cruise too. on screen, he's like, I think he's my height. He's not a big dude. But they make sure that they highlight that he's got a strong physique and they make him look taller in every single scene because that is probably hard written into that contract. And Pacino, bless his heart, does not give a shit. And he's he just like can't kick a gun more than three feet across a room. No. Like, They're like, throw him in essentially like like a deflated tent and have him wear that about town. And then just like big old wig making his little head look smaller and just can't kick a gun, can't lift a rope. It's adorable. It's, it's wild. Uh, it is. It's good. So, that's more or less the end of the movie. Oh, except then, so the last part of the movie is that oh, Al Pacino right. then gets a call from Neil McDonough, who 
basically, he thinks that he's contacting Lily Sobieski, who's been acting as part of his legal team. And because she's young and impressionable, he got her to be one of his, like, murder groupies and got her mm-hmm. to commit all these murders just to, like, try to prove his innocence and get him out of jail. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so he doesn't expect to be talking to Al Pacino, but he does. And he basically does the, like, classic old-school bad guy thing where he, like, tells him the whole plan. The like, whole thing. What I got away with it, too. And then... Al Pacino just kind of hangs up on him. He's like, ah, she's dead. Hangs up on him. Mm-hmm. And then chucks the cell phone off the yep. balcony and lets yep. it shatter into a bajillion pieces. Two separate shattered phones in this movie. Does it in front of an FBI agent who just witnessed a complex, like, culmination of a, of a crime. Of a big crime. A serial crime. and Who also watches Al Pacino pocket a tape player? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <he laughs> which is. at which on which he like maybe confessed to perjury? Yeah, Lila Sobieski either didn't. I don't like, really understand what was going on with that. Either gets him to actually confess or lie confess, but it seems like actually confess cuz he takes the tape recorder with him to like, you know, uh tampering with or uh what's it called? coaching a witness into perjuring herself. But yeah, it's he just he does he just chucks the cell phone he steals a tape recorder and that FBI agent is just like, um, <laughs> clocking on out. I've got semen to mop up. <laughs> <laughs> got other stuff to do. Uh, this this movie has two hundred seventy seven plot keywords. Oh, I have to say the last thing that I love about this movie, Please, which is yes. something that really I feel like we need to revisit, is that after he chucks that cell phone off of the balcony, apropos of nothing, they do a quick flashback to the sister of the murdered girl from <laughs> earlier in the movie who brings him who brings him the cookies, and it's just a replay of her saying how much and how grateful she is. And him giving her another little kissy do on the cheek. <laughs> they show it again. They show it for no reason. And then it's just, bam, directed by John Artlet or whatever his name is. Is that in Al Pacino's contract that he has to kiss this woman on three separate occasions on screen? <laughs> he loves to give little dainty kissies. Beautiful. It was the icing on the cake that was this highly enjoyable, very, very, very shitty movie that seemed like yeah. it was written by monkeys and typewriters. I love it so much. <laughs> this movie's so garbage. Uh, I'm not going to read you all of the plot keywords. I will read you some of them. Mm-hmm. Erect nipples. <laughs> that's that's number five. Erect. Uh, huh? FBI Federal Bureau of Investigation. Yep. Mm-hmm. All, that's all one. Oh, yeah. Telephone terror. <laughs> Someone trying to, like, one-up the Seattle Slayer and come up with some good catchphrases. Seems like it. Yeah. Motorcycle killer. Diehard scenario. Ah, my friend, it is not a diehard it's scenario. It's not. It's not. It could have been, but Bruce Willis took that part. You're welcome, Bruce Willis. I gave you the career you had. Missing pet. Mm. not confident this person saw the same movie we no. did i mean there is a cat that the woman can't find for, oh yeah, yeah yeah for mere moments you uh-huh. do see the cat on screen quickly thereafter yeah as she's about being three murdered. seconds of screen time tear on cheek hmm hmm wartenberg wheel Wait. Wart- wartenberg <laughs> google wheel. google i need to know 
Wartenberg Wheel appears in only two movies, according to uh, the Internet Movie Database, 88 Minutes, and Anna Scream Queen Killer. Well, I don't know that I want to Google Wartenberg Wheel then, given that it occurs in 88 yeah. Minutes and Anna Scream Queen Killer. Oh, is it, is it that little thing? A little spur. Like the the little, little, like, yeah, the little, like, it looks like um, what you use to, to like, cut uh, pasta. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. One yeah, of those absolutely. Little guys. It's got, like, the zigzaggy cutting pattern. It looks like one of those. Yeah. Is that what that yeah, is? Is that right. a Wartenberg wheel? It, I, it's, the, it's the best bet. I'm not Googling it. I don't <laughs> want to complicate my search history. This is a play along at home. Someone else has to do the Googling. Wrongful conviction. Nope. I mean, no, See, but yeah. Semen and drink are just one right after each other, Wait, which I don't love. Semen and tr- oh, drink, the verb? Yes. You. Uh, I know, it's gross. Hydroplane. Uh, was he drifting in that cab? And we no, there it? is a hydroplane. <laughs> there is a hydroplane, but it's not actually... Okay, somebody has gotten this wrong. What they see is a seaplane. There's a seaplane <laughs> in the beginning. That's how they called it a hydroplane. <laughs> It's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's so dope. That's a good misunderstanding. Listening to a car radio is a plot keyword in this movie. Uh, yeah, listening to Bubba Sparks should be one of the plot keywords in this movie. Buttocks. What? Asian buttocks. Oh, buttocks. But buttocks. Yep. Uh, walking in the rain. Sure. Huh. Sure. I guess. Pillow over one's head. <laughs> uh, that's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of other selections. Yeah, I think that's that just about the the twin sister who didn't want to listen to her sister be murdered. She, she right? She didn't. No, it's she didn't want to hear Backstreet Boys. Oh, that's right. At that's the right. beginning of the movie. Call for help. Um. Watching this movie. Yeah, I mean it's a cry for help. Also, maybe for Al Pacino's career. I guess. The people who made this movie are real people. Like, they did other stuff. It's yeah. Nuts. Spread Eagle. See-through huh? blouse. Spread Eagle? Spread Eagle. Uh-huh. Which is what? It's, yeah. that's, the, that's the sexy flamingo thing that she's doing. Yes. Uh, see-through blouse. Seattle Times, the newspaper. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> Product placement, correct. Perrier water, yep. Yeah. Milk, yep. Oh, yeah. Uh... Electric toothbrush. Oh, I remember seeing a thing that this yes. woman is using electric toothbrush wrong in this, which is wild. Wait, how is she using it wrong? I guess she's like using it like a regular toothbrush, like oh, like she's like... up and down and then the... oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, halothaned woman. God, there can't be that many of those, uh, right? I mean, it's just a lot of true it's crime just this, out there. It's just this movie. Okay, turns out it's just this movie. That's good. Falling downstairs, female rear nudity. <laughs> uh, tied to a chair, shot in the back. Yep. Obscene finger gesture. Ah, a couple double, mm-hmm. couple double birds. Yep. Falling from height. Uh, falling mm-hmm. from a height. Indeed. A height, yes. Correct. Uh, nosebleed. <laughs> Panties, of course. There it is. Time for title. Yes. Title spoken by character, which I, I guess, yeah, I guess, but like they do say it a few times. Yeah. Surprise ending. 
I mean, every moment of this movie is a surprise, and it's all fake endings, so, yeah. Like, literally, okay, people that they want you to believe murdered all these people. Uh, Alicia Witt, Lily Sobieski, Mm -hmm. uh, oh, the the guy from the OC, the Ben McKenzie guy, who's the OC guy. Ryan from the OC, yeah. The dean at one point, Mm -hmm. because she makes the call. Uh, yep. guy, guy, what's he have a funny name? Is it like LaFond? La La he's got a hilarious, he sounds like a, a cartoon French bad guy. Guy LaForge. Guy LaForge. Guy LaForge. Um, also the weird security guy downstairs in his apartment with the little, with the little oh. creepy, with the little creepy mustache who's the temperature. JT, you mean JT Riker? Sure, JT Riker. Wait, is that is his the, name is in the, the name movie? of the character. Why does he get a first and last name too? <laughs> I don't understand. And then also the creepy police station guy who I know is DeFranco. Something DeFranco. It's Johnny DeFranco. Johnny DeFranco. Did you hear at one point, they just kept making up crazy names. (laughs) They're like talking about like, oh yeah, like we've got Agent Goober on the phone. It just sounds like... It sounds like a Rick and Morty episode where they're trying (laughs) to squeeze in as many like, this is Mr. Stinky Butthead. Like, (laughs) Mr. Mr. Yeah. This movie, I'm just looking at the page to help you find these names. This movie's fucking stacked is the thing. Like, yeah, it has a good cast. It has a good cast who are all turning in the worst performance. Uh, also, a lot of people that just like sort of disappeared. Like, Lena Sobieski was in a lot of shit. Yeah, she was in everything until about 2007, I guess. This would be it. Yeah. This was the, the, the swan Yeah, it just songs. sort of fell off. <clears throat> Alicia Witt used to be in a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah. Ryan from the OC is... He's still, like, I guess Gotham is still on the air, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was a bit more of a flash-in-the-pan kind of dude. Um, and trying to think of Stephen else. Moyer, who was Vampire Bill in uh, fucking True Blood. Right. He was, like, a big deal around that time. And Neil McDonough, who's just, I mean, he's not a named quantity, but, like, you know Neil McDonough. He's yeah. in everything. <clears throat> yeah, and then the, even the woman he has playing his assistant, who I, I the milkmaid, milkmaid, I don't remember her name, but she's one of those women that pops up in so many in eighties, eighties and nineties movies. You just know that face, and it's yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of people. Amy Brenneman. Yeah. Oh, she's Amy from Judging Amy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. A lot, a lot of TV people. I feel like a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, the exec producer, the the writer of this movie, had just a long, long, long career in TV. Like, multi-decade career just producing absolutely everything and then made this terrible piece of shit movie. And then wrote Fast and the, the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, the original Fast and the Furious and only the original, if I am correct. I think Correct. They, he is credited for all of them because he came up with the characters. The characters. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Yeah, it's yeah. They had a they had a producer direct a movie, which is not ever a great call. No, but it's not someone's forte. And like he made, he used to do good. He like I think was one of the producers of like Black Swan and like real real things. He's the producer before, of all kinds of good stuff before this. And after so this. I'm not convinced that this movie had a director. I think this guy produced the movie. They needed to put a director name on the movie. I think every fucking time. Whoever was driving the car that kidnapped Al Pacino would just yell, go for it. And then they'd start filming. Yeah. Yell and go for there's it. There's no is... coherence. There's like, it's so, there's so much going on. There's also those like weird, 
like winding zoom shots. Oh, so many like smash zooms too. And so many flashbacks to that one night when everybody listened to that, uh, that one like 2000s rap song and Mm -hmm. got really, really drunk together. Every suspect of this movie of this murder is in that clip and he's having a million flashbacks throughout the movie of everybody just just vibing just vibing out yeah i'm trying to figure out stuff about i remember reading some trivia about there's someone who was supposed to have directed this movie that then didn't direct this movie and got because replaced by the actual director of this movie know what they're Let's doing. see if i can find it it's gonna take a moment not a lot of interesting trivia because after all this movie is garbage but james foley i guess was supposed to originally direct this movie i don't know who that is it's not the million little pieces guy right is... mm-hmm. might be the million little pieces guy let's find out it's uh oh well he 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 did some stuff like 50 shades darker 50 shades freed ah but not the original 50 shades not the og i guess um looks oh wait glenn gary glenn ross oh yeah this is the director of glenn gary glenn ross and pacino was good in that that was the thing that pacino was good in after the 70s yeah that's true he directed a lot of madonna videos he sure did yeah yeah so i mean i don't know i guess jury's still out i i suppose Pacino, he had his day in the sun. He's he was He's a good. Had actor. a lot of days in the sun. If you've looked at his skin, <laughs> yeah, he had infinite days in the sun. If we're only looking at the at that leathery, <laughs> sinewy skin, um, yeah, not a good actor anymore. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna call it, and I do not think we will be seeing him turning in any good performances, but we will see him turning in a lot of performances, yes. and I. For one, recommend watching this movie because I think it is fun. Yeah, I mean, if you have any tolerance for for bad, for very bad, 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 yeah, this movie is totally it's, worth watching. It's worth it. I think it's worth it if you're looking for a bad movie. This is the right kind. This movie made money. It made a couple million. I saw it made that. two point six million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it cost thirty to make. It made thirty two back. Everyone can sleep at night. <sighs> Henry, if you could be any character in this wonderful adventure mm. within this romp. Mm. It's a fair question. Uh, I mean, I think probably Goober, the uh, attorney general, <laughs> uh, because he gets both cookies and milk and yeah. then gets to fuck off for the rest of this movie. Uh, uh, it gets to be Goober. That, that would work for me. What about you? I like the general... Just carefree nature of that cab driver. Oh, I like, totally. I like that he's just, he's taking a literal backseat and also like a, a just kind of a, a backseat in terms of how he's dealing with very clear crisis. He's just mm-hmm. like letting a guy run through multiple red lights, discuss a lot of murders, visit a lot of crime scenes, and he doesn't say a peep. He is quiet as a little Not mouse a back there, just taking in this big great world i just i i want to take that easygoing nature and use it he's yeah he's got he's like a buddha Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah just absorbing knowledge and other people's frenetic energy and just letting it wash like right off him like water off a duck's back 
watches an FBI agent pull a gun on him, lets him back in his car. It's yeah. just it's just great. Yeah, he's forgiving soul. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I am certainly glad that we watched this movie, and yeah. I think it was it was a really it was a tough call because Pacino has so many, so that, many, that you so could, many bad movies. Yeah, that you could isolate, but I really think that. Five percent on Rotten Tomatoes did not steer us wrong in this case. It was. It's worth, also. It was worth it. It's a really Pacino-y bad Pacino. Like there's yeah. somewhere it's going to be like, ah, uh, you get a little bit of him. You get, you get him sort of turned in a different kind of product. Like yeah. I think misconduct is sort of a weird Pacino. Like it's not, it's not Pacino at his most Pacino. Yeah, and you don't get a lot of him either. He's just right. sort of like a side sideshow. I will say I could have used more. Crazy Pacino yelling. You don't get a lot of that in this one. You, it's true. That you is get, the only thing. You get missing. everything else. Though. It's the only missing piece. So it's like a, it's definitely it's a gets a thumbs up from me. God, but yeah, now the Pacino, crazy Pacino yelling. He is so much Nicholas Cageier than yeah. I thought going into this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, huh. so we've, we've learned that. We've learned that I can interchangeably just <laughs> mix up two Italian movies and within a given sentence forget what they are. So that's uh-huh. nice. That's yep. nice for me to know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess we'll be back next time. With- Until next time, and I'll be Henry. I'll be your super smart friend, Michelle. And experiment and fast forward to the future of acting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>